0: The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Have I preached behind this bookboard before? It's <laughs> <you laughs> <need laughs> <up. laughs> It uh, came from your church. That's what I thought I'd preach behind it. Right. It came from the church I served. That's, That's right. right. I, I've seen I it have. before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's privilege for me to be here tonight. Thank you for letting me come. I am humbled by your kindness to me and it's a, always a, a wonderful experience for me to come and get to sing Homeward Mound. Yeah, that does something for me. <clears throat> I appreciate the prayer that Brother Poland has offered and I not here to keep you a long time tonight, but I hope that you'll pray for me for the yes, time Lord. that I stand before you. Yes, <clears throat> when we take the cross out of the gospel, we have destroyed a foundational element. Amen. Okay, right. Paul said, "The preaching of the cross mm-hmm. is to them that perish foolishness." but us which is saved, not being saved, but us which are saved, is the power of God. We're not talking about a piece of wood that Rome designed, but we're talking about a principle. The Bible tells me in Colossians chapter two that our sins were nailed to his cross. Now, I affirm to you that you have a cross and that I have a cross. Nobody can bear it for us. But greater than that, Jesus had a cross that only He could bear. He came to that hour that He could not pass. And that's foundational, that's fundamental. And we have a propensity to talk about the cross and we sing about the old rugged cross. That never has been one of my favorite songs. But I want to tell you that it goes beyond just an old rugged cross. right, yeah. yeah. Because the principle of what that was, the principle of what it is, is foundational to salvation by grace and grace alone. Call your attention tonight to Psalms 44 beginning with verse 4. Psalms 44, beginning with verse 4. Thou art my king, O God, command deliverances for Jacob. Through thee will we push down our enemies. Through thy name will we tread them under that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. For thou hast saved us from our enemies and hast put them to shame that hated us. In God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever, Selah. When we talk about the fundamentals of our faith, we certainly inject and promote the great doctrines of election, predestination, and the final preservation of the saints and all those fundamentals that are so precious and are the foundational stones of the apostolic church. But we cannot let pale to the background the thought that we do not have a timely or manifest deliverance at times. There are times that God gives us timely and manifested deliverances. Now, I can confess to you that I could stand up here and I I think all these other brethren could do it better than I can. we can talk about the fundamentals of the faith. You know, the other day I had to fly to Oklahoma to preach a funeral and and uh, I flew from Huntsville to Fort Worth and Fort Worth to Oklahoma City and then drove 50 miles back south and preached a funeral way out in the country. And uh, there's a fellow there that kind of had an eye-opening experience. And it was cold and snowy and the wind blowing across the prairie out there. and uh, And uh, when I got through preaching the funeral, he came to me and said, well, I just hadn't heard anything like that. I said, well, and I didn't preach anything you all don't preach. But I said, well, I don't doubt that. I said, I I, I don't doubt, what you've not heard that before. And so after the service over with at the cemetery, it was cold, the wind blowing, and the snow, and he wanted to stand out there and talk about salvation by grace, and I didn't want to. I was ready to go home. It's too cold to have that done. I'd done all I wanted to do. I was, I was ready to go back. So I finally got back to Oklahoma City and I had to fly back to Fort Worth. And uh when I got back to Fort Worth, I had to fly back to Huntsville, and uh I want you to know that there is a thing called overbooking. Y'all yeah, yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Yes sir. yes, sir. They offered me everything I wanted <laughs> is just to delay my flight. Listen, I didn't want to delay my flight. It was overbooked. What they were saying was that they had sold more seats than they had. Yeah. And well, I want to tell you something today. In the fundamentals of salvation, there's no such thing as God getting overbooked. Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's right. Amen. The possibility does not exist. That's right. That's right. Now, you may deal with the undertaker for a little while, but I want to tell you, I'm a little more interested in the upper keeper, aren't you? Amen. That upper keeper is the one that... Uh, uh, we deal with and how, how we love. Well, here David is talking about the upper keeper. That's right. Thou art my king, O God. Command deliverances for Jacob or for Israel. Through thee will we push down our enemies. Through thy name will we tread them under that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. But thou hast saved us from our enemies and hast put them to shame that hated us. In God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever. Selah. Do you know what that word Selah means? Stop and give attention. You know where that term comes from? A dog perking up his ear. You ever saw a dog perk up his ears when you call him? Right. Paul talked about that same thing to Timothy. Till I come, give attention yeah. to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Right. Till I come, you give attention to that. Perk up your ears yeah. Yeah. in that regard. Yes. Because there was a timely sense right. in which Timothy needed the things that Paul had preached and he needed to be reminded and edified in the gospel again and again and again. Amen. And I tell you this today that when that one time makes sense to you it is an eye-opening experience. Amen. I'm going to go to an eye-opening experience over in Second Kings for just a little bit. And there was a time when a man by the name of Elisha had come to Samaria. In 2 Kings chapter 5, you read about that uh, under his direction, Naaman the leper was healed. In 2 Kings chapter 6, we find that under his direction, an axe head began to swim in the water. And when you began to read in 2 Kings chapter 6, you're going to find out that uh, the Syrian army had penetrated into the heart of Samaria. But to make a long story short, the Syrian king couldn't have much success. Because everywhere he went, it seemed that uh, the Israelite army knew what he was going to do. It seemed that they got word about his plan before he ever executed it. And he decided there was a spy in the camp. And when he said this, he said, There's somebody here that is giving the Israelites the information of what we're going to do. Do you know what? One of the captains told him. He said, Sir, he said, it's not us. We're all for you. But the man of God named Elisha, he knows what you're thinking in the bedchamber. Yeah, that's right. Now that's a scary thought, isn't it? That's right. Amen. He knows what you're thinking in the bedchamber. Well, you know, he said, where is he at? (laughs) He said, well, he's over yonder at Dothan." Not Dothan, Alabama now. But he's at Dothan. And he said, go and spy out where he is. And he said, that I may send and fetch him. That's not bad in English. That's Bible. That's right. And it was told him saying, behold, he's in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city. And the servant of Elisha, the man of God, rose up early and went forth. And uh, he saw the uh, city encompassed about with horses and chariots. uh, And the servant said uh, to Elisha, alas, master, how shall we do? What are we going to do? I've looked out here and all I saw is the horses and the chariots of the enemy. The numbers are overwhelming. How are we going to make it? How shall we do you know what Elisha said? Oh, it's strange. <laughs> he said, fear not. Now, you know, was a hard pill to swallow. Right. Fear not. Why? For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Amen. Now, you talk about a communication gap, brother. <laughs> he looked around, and the best he could do is just him and Elisha. That at all. And he looked out the window, and all he saw was uh, the uh, chariots and the horses of the enemy. Master, how shall we do? And then he gets this answer, uh, don't fret about it, because they that be with us are more than they which be with them. Oh, I'll tell you right now, he couldn't put the pieces of that puzzle together. But you know what? He had an eye-opening experience, didn't Mm he? Read verse 17, and Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. I'll tell you, that fellow at that funeral the other day had an eye-opening experience. You know, I'd like to stood there and talk to him, but I'll tell you, uh, I I had to get back home, and I was overbooked to do that. (laughs) I tell you this today, my friend, Uh, when the gospel one time makes sense to you, when salvation by grace and grace alone one time makes sense to you, uh, it is an eye-opening experience that you cannot and will not forget. Thank God for the gospel of Christ. I'll tell you, no wonder it's called the power of God unto salvation the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. That's right. you can't get another one in the text but a believer. That's right. I'll give you 22 scriptures from the New Testament that will tell you that the believer is passed from death unto life. That the believer shall not come into condemnation. That the believer is born of God. Oh, the believer, my friend, is that man that is already in possession of eternal life. And when that makes sense to you, it's an eye-opening experience. Now he says, Lord, open his eyes and the Lord opened his eyes. You know, I used to think uh, that somebody would give me about 15 minutes, and next year it'll be my 50th anniversary, not being married and preaching, amen? Uh, But you know, I've been preaching 50 years next year, and when I was a young man, I thought this, uh, Brother Jim, that if somebody would just give me 15 or 20 minutes, that's all it'll take for me to convert them to be a primitive (laughs) Baptist. That's all it'll take. It won't be a hard job at all, and you know what? i come to find out everybody wasn't interested in what I (laughs) They just wasn't interested in it. Uh, No, sir. Uh, You know, the older I get, I've come to the conclusion uh, that it takes an eye-opening experience uh, uh, for you to come to the realization that the cross of Christ was your only hope of salvation. That's the bottom line. It takes that eye-opening experience. He says, the young man saw it. What did he see? I'll tell you what he saw. He saw something different than what he saw the first time. He said, uh, the Bible tells us that the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Oh, listen to that. Now you see, that was a timely or manifest deliverance against the enemies of the man of God. That was a timely or manifest experience that I can tell you I'm going to talk to Elisha about when I get to heaven. I want to know what it felt like to have that kind of an experience. But you know what? Still, things were bad. The city was besieged. Let me tell you how bad it was. An ass's head sold for 80 pieces of silver a cup of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. Mm-hmm. Women boiled and ate their children. Mm-hmm. Read it. It's all right here right. if you doubt it. Mm-hmm. It was a time in Samaria like had never been before. Right. Yeah. Now let me tell you right now, God was still at work. Amen. Yeah. God was still at work. You know what the man of God said? You know what Elijah told him? <laughs> He said this, he said some big changes are gonna come. He said some big changes are gonna come. He said this, he said tomorrow about this time. I like that. Said it twice. Second Kings chapter seven and verse one, tomorrow about this time, the heavens are going to open. Tomorrow, about this time, he said it again in verse 18, uh, tomorrow, about this time, something was going to change. You know, people tell me today about a new world order. I got news for you, my friend. There's going to come one. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There's coming a new world order. <laughs> uh, you know why? Well, I'll tell you right now, God in his plan uh, has a big change in mind. Amen, amen, yes, sir. There's going to be a big change in mind. I want you to go with me for just a minute uh, over to the ninth chapter uh, of the book of Luke. And uh, a time here, and I want you to notice uh, what's being taught here. In the ninth chapter of the book of Luke, you're going to find out, or the 8th or the chapter of the book of Luke, I want you to notice uh, here that uh, a wild Gadarene had been healed, uh, and, and the Lord had told him, he said, return to thine own house and show how great things that God had done for thee. And just after that, the Bible says, in chapter 8 and verse 41, and behold, there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. Why was it? It was important. For he had only one daughter about 12 years of age, and she lay a dime. This was serious, friends. One daughter, 12 years old, and she lay a dime. You know, we, we think about our children. You know, one of my children gets sick, I'd rather be me. Amen. You know, uh, and, I, and I know you're that way too. What I'm saying to you is, is that when it comes down to you and yours and me and mine, me and mine is ahead of you and yours. <laughs> All right. Everybody thinks his crows are blackest. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. This man had one daughter. She lay a dime. Jesus come. To the house, and the people thronged him. And right in the middle of all of that, a woman having an issue of blood for 12 years and spent all her living on physicians, neither uh, could be healed of any, came uh, behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood was stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? You think Jesus didn't know who it was? You got more sense than that. Yeah. It wasn't for his information. It was for their self-examination. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You see, who touched me? Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. Now, I want to tell you right now, Jesus was the eternal Son of God, but I want to tell you right now, he came in a manifest way, the manifest Son of God. The fleshly Son of God. God was manifest in the flesh, in the form of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, as a man, he walked the dusty hills of Galilee. As a man, he was thronged by people. As a man, he could say, Someone had touched me. I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. You go on and you began to read that. While he yet spake after this great experience there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him thy daughter is dead trouble not the master. It's too late. It's too late. You ever hear that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You better do something before it's too late. I got a better story for you. Amen. That's right. Brother. That's right. That's right. You and I may come to a place in life where it's too late for things, but I want to tell you right now, there's a God in heaven that is not a patchwork Savior. Amen. That is never too late. Amen. He may come not when you want him, but he's always on time. Amen. Always. Yes. yes. Don't bother the master. He's dead. But when Jesus heard it, he answered and said, Fear not, there it is again. Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he came to the house, he suffered no man to go in, except Peter and James and John, and the father and the mother of the maiden. And they all wept and bewailed her, but he said, weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And instead of saying, thank you, Lord, for the great blessing, you know what they did? They laughed him to scorn. They laughed him to scorn. Let me tell you right now, knowing that she was dead, Jesus said, all of you, get out. Get out. And he took her by the hand and called, saying, "Mate her rise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. now, Heard a man say one time, well, she was ready to go to heaven. He raised her up. Brother, I want to tell you right now, this girl was not raised in a glorified body. You hear me? Amen. Now, if she was, why did she have to have something to eat? Right. All right. <laughs> she, she wasn't in a glorified body. He raised her up. She died a 12-year-old, and he raised a 12-year-old. Raised her up. Said, give her something to eat. Put them all out. Do you know what? her rise? Her spirit came again, and she rose straightway. He commanded to give her meat, and her parents were astonished. Oh, what an eye-opening experience Amen. this was. Amen. Oh, what it was. They couldn't put their finger on it. They laughed into scorn. I tell you right now, my friend, uh, the world today has put together a patchwork Savior. Do you know that? They have put together a Savior that is doing the best he can with the material that he has to work with. But I tell you right now today uh, that I'm telling you about a Savior that saves. Amen. I'm telling you about a Christ uh, uh, that can to do the will of the Father and did that in every degree it was a complete and total success. Thank God today, my friend, we can understand that today. And one of these days there's some big changes ahead. Amen. Amen. There's some big changes ahead. Uh, uh, he said about this time tomorrow. You know, I don't know when it is, but I'll tell you right now, oh, uh, there's some changes ahead. There's a new world order coming all right. I'll tell you right now, one of these days, my friend, every knee is going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Not going to be the overbooking, thank God. Uh, no, sir, but the upper keeper uh, is going to overrule the undertaker. And when that takes place, bless Bless your sweetheart. I'll tell you right now, all of us, listen, there's going to come a day, my friend, uh, when these bodies that lay in Old Zion Cemetery right here is going to be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Not because of what they said, not because of what they've done, uh, but because of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the cross uh, that where our sins were nailed. What an eye-opening experience that is uh, uh, to believe and understand, brother, uh, Oh, that that precious truth is out. We're not going to have to wait till we get to heaven to figure that out. You understand? No, sir, but it's a reality right now. Uh, Right now. You stand as a son of God right now. You're not going to have to wait till you get to heaven, but you stand in that relationship right now. What a wonderful day it is for me today. Now, in a few minutes, I'm going to leave, and I'm going to drive back to Fort Payne. And uh, when I get back up there, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go in the house, and I'm going to sit down in my chair, and I'm going to turn on the television. Thank God we got that. Amen. Uh, You know, that keeps us informed about everything. Uh, You know, (laughs) uh, really up to date. I want to tell you today, brother, we got an up-to-date gospel. You know what I'm saying? It's up today in every way somebody said why you know this fellow told me one time brother uh, Chris he said brother Richie said I don't preach about doctrine of election Mm. he said because nobody really understands You know and I just thought? I'm glad he don't preach about it because he makes such a mess out of it. So, you know, the reason why, I'll tell you right now, my friend, the doctrine of election's not hard to understand. No, it's as plain as it can be. Ah, that God chose you in Christ before the world began. And everyone that he chose, he justified. And everyone that he justified, bless God, they will be glorified. Why? Because God has predetermined their destination Amen. to be conformed to his own image. Praise the Lord. You know, that's an eye-opening spirit. <laughs> to believe that, to rejoice in that. I can just imagine what that little fellow looked like over there uh, when he looked out that window and all he saw was horses and chariots of the enemy. And then all of a sudden, uh, Elisha said, well, I don't think any more about it. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. And, you know, he looked again, Lord, open his eyes, and then he saw the mountain full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Oh, what an experience that was for him. And as bad as the situation was, uh, there was a brighter day ahead. As bad as the situation was, it was a better day was coming. About this time tomorrow, he said, the heavens are going to open up. Uh, and meals are going to come down uh, out of the gates of heaven itself. And I tell you this today, my friend, when we can understand today uh, that the sovereignty of God, the overruling influence of God himself uh, is hours to enjoy as his people today. What a wonderful experience that is for us. Oh, how blessed we are to have that. Now here, these folks right here, do you know, let me tell you, God's throne is not a duplex. (laughs) You know, he he doesn't divide his throne. His throne is not divided. Amen. You know why? Because God, as he sits on his throne, Rules. He reigns and executes his will in every degree they left him to scorn. Now he said, if you're not going to believe it by faith, just get out, just get out, get out. He put them all out and he took her by the hand. Thalitha Kumai, that's what he said. Didn't say it right there, but that's the words he used. Thalitha Kumai made her rise. He took her by the hand. Now, let me ask you this. Did that little girl, that 12-year-old girl, have to give the consent of her will for the voice of the Lord to be effective? Doesn't that kill free willism? Yes. That'll put it in the grave, won't it? Amen. That's a death knell to it. That's right. That's right. I tell you this today, that the voice of the Lord has power over the object and the object that his voice is directed to responds yes. with an obedience that is above and beyond the ability of the object to perform. That's right. Don't ask me to say that again. <laughs> but I said it right. Bless God I'll tell you that. Yes, sir. <laughs> I believe that's the first time I ever said it right in 50 years. That's the truth. (laughs) Thank God I come to Zion. You know, once in a while I get to want to preach somewhere, I believe we'll just go to Zion. Amen. Yes, sir. That's right. Well, what I'm saying to you is uh, that when that comes down and it's real to you, then there comes the experience that we have of seeing Christ in the right perspective. Putting him in the right place. Not only is he a God of eternal salvation and deliverance. But he is also a God of timely manifestations. Yes. He does for us. He reaches down for us. And in a wonderful way. He brings us up from the dunghill. And gives us strength. Mm-hmm. As it is needed in our day. Amen. The other day I was in the hospital. And uh, I walked through the ward there where some of the mental patients was. There was a young lady there, probably early 20s. It was evident from all observation that she had some problems. She sat down by the side of me and I began to talk to her. And I said, what's your name? She told me. How long you been here? She told me that. Very intelligent seeming. And then all of a sudden, this is what she said. Is it today or tomorrow? Think about that. Is it today or tomorrow? I said, sweetheart, it's today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always today. Right, right. <laughs> it's tomorrow's not here yet. Never will. We live today. Yeah, that's right. My friend, if you're living, you're living today. Thank God today that tomorrow, if it comes, God willing, it'll still be under the hand and the influence of God himself. But we live today. We live today. If we serve God, it's serving God today. Won't make heaven one bit brighter, but it'll make you happy. It'll make you happy because it's an eye-opening experience. I'd like to have been there and opened the window and looked and saw the mountain (laughs) full of horses and chariots of fire. I wished I had an experience like that. I mean, I'd I'd like to have that. It'd be frightening, I know. I'd like to have that. But I'll tell you this, whether I ever have it or not, I know it took place. (laughs) Because I've got faith to believe it. I've got more faith than Peter, James, and John. You know why? God, I believe that Jesus could raise a 12-year-old from the dead. You know, Jesus said that. They laughed him to scorn. He put them out. They didn't even get to see it. But I'll tell you one thing. When they came back, the Bible says they were all astonished. They were astonished. Do you know that's what the doctrine of grace will do for you? (laughs) It will astonish you. Because it takes you that are dead in trespasses and in sin. It takes you who need mercy when you ought to be dealt justice. Yes. Brother, I'll tell you right now uh, that I'm not gonna have to stand uh, before the bar of justice. Amen. You know why? Because my legal representative has already stood before the bar of justice. Yes, right. Amen. But I'll tell you what, I can go before a throne of grace, can't you? Yes. <laughs> I don't have to go before the bar of justice, but I can come to boldly to a throne of grace. Yes. And what an experience that is. Yes. What an experience that is. My wife's uncle had been a member of the church there at Nine Hill for over 70 years, and and uh, his wife was in a nursing home in Albertville, and I stopped in there one day to see her, and he asked me to lead in prayer uh, while I was there. So I did, and I knelt down and done the best I could. And during the course of that prayer, I said this Father, deliver Brother Holland from this burden that he is bearing now. Bless him to be delivered from this burden that he's bearing. And when I got up, he shook my hand and he said, we appreciate your presence and we appreciate the prayer, but I want you to know that what I'm doing here is not a burden. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. And my friend, I want to tell you today uh, that uh, you and I, uh, who, are blessed, uh, who are blessed to uh, have uh, wonderful wives and uh, those who care for us, we are blessed in that regard. And, uh, you know, I thought about, you know, me and Susan have been married 45 years nearly. And so, uh, you know, I, I thought uh, the other day, you know, I remember looking at some old pictures and you know, a fellow told me one time he, his wife, had, had changed a lot. I said, brother, you've changed a lot. Said, it's hard for us to figure out sometimes that they change. Look, I, she walked in the door back there and I thought she was the prettiest thing I ever saw. She's still good looking, amen. you get getting this on tape, aren't you? Yes, sir. My address is P.O. <laughs> yeah. I want you to understand uh, that when I got married, <laughs> you talk about an eye-opening experience. <laughs> uh, isn't that the truth? An eye-opening experience. I was talking to boy, Tim, one day about joining the church. He said, he said well, I want to join the church. But he said, I'm getting married in June, then I'll have a lot more time. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you right now, he is in for eye-opening experience. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that the truth? Right. But you know what? I remember when I was 11 years old, I remember when I was 11 years old, Brother Mac, and uh, we drove up on the ground down there. The windows were up, we didn't have any air conditioning, In y'all know how it was right here. It's so hot, you couldn't stay outside. We drove up on the ground, the house was full, and they were singing so slow, you could have a week's meeting while they were singing a song. (laughs) Did thou, dear Jesus, suffer shame and bear the cross for me? I'll tell you right now, it melted my heart. Mm. It melted my soul. Mm. And an old cornfield preacher got up and he began to preach in the power and demonstration of the Spirit of God. Uh, and the power of the cross touched my heart and soul. Amen. And it was an eye-opening experience that day and I'm not got tired of it yet. Amen. No, sir, it's still just as new today as it's ever been. The gospel is up to date in every way. Thank God today, my friend. I, I want folks to believe it for 50 years. Uh, I've been engaged in that and y'all have to. And thank God for it. But I want to tell you right now I come to the realization uh, that if I believe it, uh, it's wonderful if they don't believe it, I can't change that, but I'm thankful today to tell you uh, that God himself is still raising up men to preach the gospel of Christ not that people might be fixed up to go to heaven but that we might be educated in the reason why we're going (laughs) it educates us doesn't it? Now I'm going to close with this. Titus chapter two and verse 11 says this, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation. I'll challenge any man to meet me with an open Bible to show me where the Bible said the gospel is the offer of grace of salvation. He don't offer you salvation. The grace of God that offers salvation, no. The grace of God that bringeth salvation, that is, it comes from somewhere else. It's not in you. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, and it does. Common graces appears to God's children and those who are not God's children. It rains on the just and the unjust. It doesn't stop at your property line. (laughs) The grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men. But it teaches us. Amen. Here, right. Teaches us. Now he gets particular with it. Teaches us. What does it teach us? To deny ungodliness and worldly lust and live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Amen. Looking for. Now I don't know when the Lord's gonna come, but I'm gonna tell you, you ought to live a looking life Amen. Looking for. Amen. Looking Amen. for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Savior, the great God, looking for it. That's what grace does for you. You see, it educates us as to why we'll be in heaven. It educates us about what we are, what Jesus did, and thank God today, my friend, it is every day, up to date, in every way, and in a wonderful way today. It's an eye-opening experience. Every time that we hear the gospel preached with the power of the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. May God bless you, is my prayer. Thank you for letting me come to Zion again. Thank God I'm not overbooked. Amen. Amen. Thank God uh, that I'm not overbooked. Uh, and I'm gonna drive four Pain after a while, and I'll tell you when I get there, there's still won't be overbooked. Amen. You see? That's right. That's right. The booking process is right on schedule. Yeah, that's right. And I'll tell you right now, the reason you're going to be in heaven because you was in the booking process for the foundation of the world. (laughs) For the foundation of the world. Names written in a book. Written in a book. And thank God today, we rejoice in that eye-opening experience in a wonderful and glorious way. Selah. Perk up your ears. (laughs) Perk up your ears. Give attention to what's said. Thank you for letting me come. God bless you is my prayer, brother.